Hi everyone and welcome to the Art to Ask Me Anything podcast with Carl Boutte. Today we're going to dive into the topic of fintech, which is I'm sure on everyone's minds and definitely a hot topic that we're yet to cover. Carl, how you been? It's been a while. I'm being really good, Arda. Looking forward to uh, to getting back into this and fintech is uh, as much a deep and wide topic. I know you're studying it this semester as well at the university, yeah. so be curious to see here, get your perspectives on it. I think even more so as he probably a user of fintech. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll have fun on this one. Yeah, for sure. So I Googled the definition so we could have a nice basic understanding. And it's the innovative use of technology to deliver financial services and products in a more efficient, accessible and user-friendly manner, which for me breaks it down a little bit. Because when I hear fintech, I think, what on earth is that? To me, I think fintech and I think it's one of those like blockchain crypto things that I don't know much about and it kind of intimidates me but then when I realize the day-to-day application whether it's digital payments online lending personal finance management then I kind of understand it's oh it's the banks and stuff realizing <laughs> consumers are maybe you know having a greater demand for cross-border transactions and how yep. I buy things abroad and it's actually not as difficult or complex as I think it is. Yeah, I think it's I think, you know, the, the key concept when we we hear the word fintech is is to think about frictionless, right? The idea that payment now is is uh, obviously it's always been a part of commerce. It's sort of <laughs> the the transactional aspect of it is 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 core to making a transaction happen. So anything you can do to make that process simpler, easier, faster uh, is all what I what I consider fintech to be, where that innovation comes in that goes way back to your debit card uh to you know having having yeah. access to cash 24 7 if you wanted to go to a to a, a bank machine or or credit cards even before that how you could go around the world and pay with credit cards and even before that travelers checks were in some way like early fintech uh, where you know you could get these checks from your bank and you could go around the world and they would be cashable uh, you know, this is when going back, going back a while, but it's always been even, you know, just the creation of actual money was, was a fintech. So how does that evolve today? Um, it's, it's fascinating. And I think the analogy I kind of like to use in some of my conferences, and you'd probably have to ask your parents about this one, Art, see if they remember, but originally, you know, when you wanted to start your car, you had two keys. You had one key to open the door to the car and a separate key to start the car. And you had these two, oh, like sort of these, yeah, right? Like mind blowing. <laughs> uh, and today we kind of get upset when we walk up to a car and the doors don't unlock themselves because they detect that you have the key or the phone on you. And then you walk up and you have, and you walk, you sit down in the car and you have to, you know, just push a button. And already that almost feels like a lot, you know, a heavy ask. We're like, why doesn't thing just start itself when I'm sitting in it? It should know I want to go somewhere. So uh, fintech is very much the same way as we're getting more and more to this place where uh, I think at the, you know, the most cutting edge, I, I think about Amazon One, where I basically pay with my palm, right? I walk in, I they scan my palm and I go into the store, I walk around in Amazon Fresh, I pick up my groceries and I walk out and that is basically the extent of my financial transaction is, is that I get a, a notice, you know, in my Amazon app that I've been charged for my groceries. So back yeah. to the two key analogy and somewhere in between to the car starting itself, you know, where, where are we in FinTech? How does that work? And you added also the international component and the, and the lending component, which are other sort of extensions of FinTech that are, are fascinating as well. 
Yeah, it goes quite broad, I think. There's, there's areas like the mobile computing. We have like the data analytics coming into it. Mm-hmm. I think your example is the two keys. For me, I'm thinking, I remember sending money using Western Union when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and now I always think I complained about that process. And now you have your Monzo or your Revolut card and you go to Europe and you kind of enjoy that frictionless experience, yeah. as you say. Mm-hmm. And Venmo, I think all these things here, you know, it's like even an action now. It's like Venmo me, like just, just yeah, send me the work. cash, you know, like, and and that is that is the expectation now. You're right, and and you know, Western Union is still really big. Banks, the SWIFT system, is still a massive bank transfer system. Very archaic, very expensive, yeah. but it works. And some companies have a hard time getting away from that. And I know that I deal a lot with international subcontractors on different projects and it's always a bit of a point of friction and how like what gets accepted where i wish paypal for instance worked everywhere it doesn't you know surprisingly because yeah. there's a whole legislative end of it too and around you know, making sure that the money laundering and these things aren't aren't happening as we saw with ftx and and these these crypto uh, platforms that you know that's basically what got them in trouble so you have to put the legislation make sure you're following all the proper processes and channels but it's yeah, it's it's a fascinating, very important world, and and I think more than my two key analogy, my I, I'd like to talk a lot about it, fintech sorry being the, con, the the conductive tissue. It's sort of the connector of everything uh, when it comes to commerce, because without payment, there's no commerce, and and that's actually where mostly what you just pointed out before, where most of the data comes from, comes from the financial transaction, because that is the that is the point in the customer journey where I, I offer the most visibility, where I have to give, say, who I am, basically, unless I'm dealing in Web3, and that's a whole other thing. But I basically have to sort of develop, here's, you know, it's me, I'm authorizing this payment, this is, you know, where I am, this is where I live, this is how much I have, and, and a lot of that information can get captured uh, for, for data that helps the companies better understand the path to purchase, and especially where the transaction is happening, which we've talked a lot about in the past, about the blurring of physical and digital. And that's all a fascinating piece as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think with our episodes in the past, we don't normally dive straight into the regulation aspect. Maybe some would say that's maybe the more boring aspect. But when we think about the implication the that um, fintech has had on reshaping traditional banking, it's not just that it's reshaping traditional banking, but then when it comes to money, it's transforming any any form of commerce, like you say. And I think it's interesting to, I read a quote that said, technology will require better regulation and regulation will require better technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought that was quite funny because, I mean, if we do take it to retail and we kind of talk about maybe some of the top fintech companies there, I think what they're doing is right on the crux of what you enjoy, the data and technology aspect. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like sum up or Klarna. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's so many different and it it just started with PayPal as well. And, you know, it's extended into a bunch of others that are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies now that have started, started from scratch. And that's sort of the Holy grail. It's often the most complicated part of any technology adoption as well, too, because I look at my friends from leave, who, you know, as well, who do sort of the frictionless payment uh, system. I mean, the back end of that is really, really complicated. And and now it's actually coming down very much. It's not so much the banks, it's the platforms. If you're dealing with Apple or Google Pay 
these are all sort of things and just, they each have sort of their own sets of, uh, uh, of constraints and how you, how you, who, who works with what and what can, in what conditions. So it's very easy as consumers for us to get frustrated and say, Hey, how come you're not using tap payment or you're not using Google pay or Apple pay or uh, Alipay uh, even uh, from Alibaba then, and, but reality is in the back end, there's a lot of processing. So what happens is often the retailers will sort of, uh, you know, obviously subcontract that part out to a third party like leave or another uh, platform. Stripe is a very popular one uh, yeah. you know, from that really showed how, what was possible making it universal. Uh, but you pay for that and, and you pay dearly for that uh, privilege of, you know, cause yeah. you have no choice in, in a lot of respects. And it frustrates a lot of businesses because that cost of using that sort of frictionless payment system could, that your customers are asking for can be your profit margin, you know, and when, especially if you're dealing like in food and places like that, where they have really low uh, grocery, I should say, uh, have really low uh, profit margin and I, where you're down to your last three or 5% and then you're hopefully making it on volume. And then these people come in and take three, you know, two, 3% of that. You're like, well, I've done all this work to get to three or 5% and you're just coming in and just what looks pretty easy to me, taking that transaction and make, and give, you know, processing that transaction for me and taking 3% of my transaction. I have nothing left after all the work I've did to set up this, this business. Uh, and you've seen a lot of fintechs come to the, come to the world that under that frustration saying, you know, my parents had this small shop and they worked night and day, seven days a week. And at the end of the day, the, the, the credit card company was making more money uh, from, from the, from their business than they were. So how can we change that? And a lot of fintech sort of rose from that frustration, but again, it still comes back once you cost it all in, it, it still remains pretty expensive. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious if you think maybe network effects come into play here with fintech. I've just heard about this concept recently. So if we think about a marketplace, like there's a network effect between eBay and its suppliers and its consumers and the more of both of those groups that you have, the more value it provides to other users who are then going to join those platforms and build that critical mass. And it oh, reminds me of whether it's a sum up or a square um, software that certain online commerce companies are going for, or even just credit cards in that yep. aspect. When you travel in the UK and you think, oh, I'm going to go on a European break, you're like, oh, which one do I go for? Do I go for the Revolut or the Monzo? And then, oh, and that's how Revolut has caught the majority of the market share. Interesting. I'm curious if you think network effects really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, ubiquity of the solution is important, right? So the uh, the fact that I want whatever solution, if I'm on the consumer side, I want whatever I have set up, ideally, easily transacted with. So back to the Palm at Amazon, the more places that are going to just allow me to have yeah. the Palm, uh, recognize that, I'll say, I'll maybe prioritize that just because I find it convenient and it works really well. Um, then the things like Leave, which are only used in a handful of retail places right now, are not going to have that network. People aren't going to go shop in those locations, those handful of locations, because they have Leave yet. I mean, they would like that, obviously. And that's yeah. what the goal is, that people start recognizing. And back to my famous, I know I'm like a broken record here, Arda, but back to just having bigger data sets that are more, uh, yeah. that are, that are more significant and representative uh, so that 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 is the network effect in, in action. And, and yes, it definitely requires to you have to get scale, I guess, is maybe the better word than ubiquity. You need scale to get to a place to make these work because they don't make money until there's a certain volume as well. So you want to have that network and you want to sort of get onto that 
sort of that build off for that momentum where it's used more and more and customers are expecting it more and more to a point that like today when you go to in China, nobody takes cash anymore. Like it's, you know, that's, and we're seeing that more and more, even small businesses, it's a bit of a, we've had some debate here in Canada around that too. Like, you know, some, some businesses saying, you know, we, we prefer not to take cash because it's just a lot, it's really uh, complicated to manage uh, you know, managing who, what you do with that cash at the end of the day and who, you know, where it goes and how, which used to be part of the core you know, process of running a business. Now it's like some businesses are saying, I think Sephora is one of them. And it's, you know, tried that where they've said, you know, we know that, the, you know, we can make treat customers much more faster and better if, if we can just deal with some sort of tap or very quick payment. You know, it's on our, it's on our Apple watches now. It's on our, yeah. it's on our phones, obviously. It's hope maybe soon going to be in the, in the goggles and whatever else, hopefully not goggles, but glasses. Well, um, there's everywhere at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be on anything, you know, that I can just tap, right. That has some sort of N NFC that's secure. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're fo focusing a lot on the transactional side of fintech. You know, we, there's obviously all the other stuff around conversion and like you were saying payment around the world and, and yeah. investment, you know, how, how, the, how it's even worked in really making democrat democratizing access to uh, in making investments, these different investment platforms like Robinhood and, and those sorts that are, you know, a bit controversial at times because of the way that they gamify it. But it's, you know, these, these are all fintechs. These are all places and, and that people are just trying to figure out to make it easier and faster and hopefully more secure because yeah. that, that you're able to track, you know, you track the what you spend, where you spend, how you spend it. Yeah. And I think as a consumer myself and obviously as you are as well, bringing that power, I think, to the people of giving them this access to investment uh, management systems or even these online um, payment systems. I think it's I think it's really great. And I like when I see the core benefits. So let's talk about maybe on the retailer side, how can they leverage fintech to enhance customer loyalty and engagement? As you said, those are some of the benefits that exist as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's rapidly moving. You mentioned earlier the network effect. So I think that's part of it. Like you want to be, yeah. uh, you want to sort of leverage those network effects and get people to come in and use like Apple Pay and things like that. That becomes almost like a marketing you know, announcement saying, hey, we even though it depends on the categories and the and the regions, but, you know, maybe it's less than 10 percent or 20 percent that use those those solutions. Um but still, it's sort of to say, hey, look, we're keeping up with the times we accept Apple Pay, which now is you know, seems almost like table stakes. But it, not too long ago, it was sort of a, a way to attract customers' attention. Um, and then, yes, very rightfully how that ties into loyalty programs, because once we're sort of digitizing the, the process and I'm paying with my phone, I know when I go to my grocery store, it's automatic now. I have their app. Cause I get like free money. Basically I'd be kind of crazy not to use it. So I just, mm -hmm. you know, open the app and I, uh, or even when I go to the, you know, like a Tim Hortons or something like that, it has the payment and the loyalty combined into one. So I tap once it gets my loyalty information. It gets my payment information talking like frictionless and it's all quick service restaurant. Right. So the word, the keyword there is quick. So they want yeah. to end service, I guess, but they want, you know, make that process. Cause what it really comes back to, um, and I talk a lot about this in, in, in different spheres, is does the process of increase customer satisfaction? So the fact that I have to pull out my credit card, that I have to take out money, that I have to transact, and does that, in some cases it might, there might be some use cases 
where it's sort of part of the ceremony of of you know the commerce path to purchase and people like that and it makes them feel good it makes them feel special i'm thinking here obviously more like luxury experiences where i really want to be feel like a concierge just looking after me and i'm getting this really yeah. white glove service and it, i don't want to make it cheap and fast i want to make it sort of like a ceremonial almost but that's what you know less than five percent of what we do the other 95 we just want to pay and get out right and and, and that's not where we create value for the customer where the customer doesn't go, oh, wow, that payment system was really impressive. And I'm going to go, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed paying that uh, retailer. So the, the easier you can make that. And there's a lot of discussion right now. And we've seen Apple Store were sort of the, some of the first to do this. Do we even need a place for payment? Like is, is, is what we call in the, in, the re, in the industry jargon, the cash wrap. Now that basically that counter with the, with the machine where you would go up to and pay, is that even still necessary when, you know, you can just have somebody show up uh, and this becomes, this becomes your payment terminal, you know, your, your, your mobile becomes your payment terminal. Why don't we just use those? Why like, like the same way the Apple store does, there's no cash desk at at Apple. Uh, But some will say, you know, we need a place to sort of package gifts and things like that wrap or put things in bags or whatever. That's fine. But it's, it's, it's premium real estate that's being used because we want to maximize the store. And and does that cash wrap add value to the transaction? People go and shop with you because they enjoy the process at the cash wrap. If the answer is no, then then you want to sort of technology and FinTech to step in and just kind of make that process as seamless as possible. Yeah. I like that kind of nuance that the customer experience can be affected here. And it's not, it's not the same for where you want that slower experience and where maybe you want the convenience. I think exactly. It's yeah, and the, the measurement of that is pretty straightforward. Is something we've talked about also in previous episodes, a net promoter score, NPS, right? So yeah. what retailers will do is they'll measure, they'll maybe do a pilot where they'll change sort of that process, remove possibly the cash wrap and track their net promoter scores and see, well, did it impact a net promoter score? Did a net promoter score go down because our process got worse by you know using it, let's say, off of mobile? Or did it get better? And if it got better, well, that's a double win because now I have more space, I have better customer experience, uh, you know. And 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 that's things like leave. That's what they're trying to get at. You know, that's their their that's their angle, anyways. Or at least a complimentary. Maybe I don't need five cash wraps in my store. Maybe just one is going to be enough, and and the other four are going to be replaced by my associates on the floor that are now, you know, they're not stuck behind a counter. They can go and meet where the customer the customer where the customer wants to be met. And engage with them there and not force them to have to go to in line somewhere to go pay something they can just uh, as amazon likes to put it just walk out yeah it's interesting are there any questions that you have about fintech and where it's going well i think i think the big question you're you're you know you're being back in in uk and europe i mean is 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 around privacy right and regulations and i yeah. know that you know the financial services world is one is obviously and rightfully highly regulated already but it the fintech tends to move faster than it and we know the gdpr and these other regulations that come through europe i mean i'd be curious to see you know what the pushback has been and and what people feel uh you know how they feel and i don't i don't know if you're the right audience because you're obviously very super open to new technology but what about those that feel less comfortable with it you know how are they feeling about this there was a a famous video that went around from a Chinese grocery retailer owned by Alibaba called Hema um, when they went uh, cashless 
and this older Chinese man like screaming, you know, that he just wanted to pay. He had the cash and he's like, I just want to pay for my little bag of groceries and get out. Like, why are you forcing me to put an app on a phone that I don't have? And you're telling me I can't buy my little, I just want groceries. I just want to eat. Like, why is this so complicated? And this older man, it became went viral because he was like screaming at the top of his lungs and getting attention rightfully so so it's all it's it's interesting but to your to you know to your what are you seeing how are you, how you know how are regulators reacting uh, how are people around you reacting as we sort of more and more are digitizing payment yeah there's a there's definitely not going to be able to be one global solution but similarly there might not be one like local solution i think there's kind of a an interesting dynamic as you go through the layers of local regional national international and whatnot and I kind of resonate with that experience of that old man, actually, because it does get frustrating as a consumer to always be told at that cash register, you know, do you have this app? Give us your email. We'll send it online on email. At some points, it's convenient. At other points, it's leave me alone. I feel fatigued from all of this. (laughs) And it's an interesting, yeah, it's it's definitely going to continue. I just want to buy my Apple. Leave me alone. Yes, honestly. But my last question for you, Carl, would be, what is the future of fintech in the retail space? That's a big question. I mean, what's the future of retail, right? I mean, first of all, as we've talked about before, I always like to put an S to future. I think there's there's different futures. Yeah, and true. there's going to be some concepts that are going to be very traditional and they're going to be proud of that. And they're going to say, listen, we're, you know, we, we're all about the human experience. And they're going to sort of put a lot of what we think now is friction purposely as part of the design of the customer journey. But that's not the majority. The majority are going to go more to the, we're going to head to a place which today the business model doesn't really work, quite honestly, of the fully frictionless. And we've had this at the McGill Lab. We've seen this even with Amazon, where they've pulled back on some of their Amazon Go projects, but they're coming, you know, it doesn't mean they're over. They're coming back. You have one in London well, uh, with Amazon Fresh that's, you know, seems to be still evolving pretty well. Um, but the costs of it don't make sense. But I think we're heading to a place where the payment is going to become more and more invisible part of the process. It's going to be like just... It's going to happen more uh, uh, inst- I don't know, ubiqu- uh, instinctively, or I don't. It's just going to be. We're going to look back, sort of back to my two key analogy. We're going to just going to think it was crazy that one time point in time we had to pull a credit card out of a wallet to pay something like it would. That would seem so foreign. That's wild, yeah. Um, so I mean, that's one future, right? But and interestingly enough, some of the research. Uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to uh, Carl Philip uh, at Bath uh, University, Carl Philip Albert and Professor Albert, who. Who did did some research on this and showed that people actually, um, you know, feel more comfortable purchasing in that way too, which we thought would be counter uh, intuitive because we think, well, if people don't really have, you know, the you know, let's see, like the don't make that extra action to make the purchase, it, it could be uh, it could work against them. But he has research that showed that at least in real time, if you're tracking the payments as you're going through the store and they're seeing sort of your your bill tally actually increases purchasing. So. Fascinating times. We'll, we'll see. That is one one future. Uh, but I, I I keep coming back to let's not bet against Moore's law. I mean, the idea is processing is getting faster and cheaper. And as that happens, uh, you know, these these technologies and these experiences are going to become more and more present. And, um, you know, that's not where value is going to be created for the retailer. So uh, for most retailers. So the idea is how do you shift that? What do you shift that value to? And, and what is that? How does that become part of the journey and the experience? Amazing. Well, that was our perspective on future of fintech and 
a little report on it. So I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. And if you could subscribe, maybe leave us a comment, let us know how you found it. But thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. Thanks.